The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Everybody, welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I am your host, Victoria Moran, and I am way excited today. If you happen to have a grown up child, you know that they don't do everything like you, and that sometimes they need to make their own way in the world. And my daughter is like that. She's out there with her work and her passions. She started out being co-host on this show in the early days, if you go way back with us to 2012. But there was so much going on in her own life that she said, oh, mom, that's your thing. But this weekend, when she found out that Esther the Wonder Pig was the guest on today's show, well, she said, mom. I want to talk to Esther the Wonder Pig. So the moral for the day is if you really want to be cool in the eyes of your grown-up children, get to know somebody way famous like Esther the Wonder Pig. And we will be bringing on Esther's proxies, her two dads, Steve Jenkins and Derek Walter, after the first break. And right now I am about to introduce to you someone who is doing all kinds of amazing work in the world, and that is Sarah Webster. Sarah is music supervisor for the movie that we're all going to see this week, Pitch Perfect 2. She's also done many, many other important and successful Hollywood films. The first Pitch Perfect, for instance. And she was music supervisor for the animal rights classic 
earthlings. You know, when I travel around the country and the world and people tell me what made them vegan, there seem to be three really top winners, Forks Over Knives, Skinny Bitch, and Earthlings, such an important, important film. Sarah is also music supervisor for the new film Unity, done by Sean Monson, who uh, did Earthlings. And when she was introduced to me by the wonderful Nick Tyler, terrific guy out there in L.A., who also uh, brought to us last week's uh, wonderful guest, Alexandra Paul, he said of Sarah, she's an amazing vegan, animal rights activist, yoga instructor, and spiritual being. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it is an absolute pleasure. Now, for those of us who don't know, and I must admit that I don't know, what does a music supervisor do? You know, a music supervisor's uh, job varies, uh, so that can be difficult. However, our main, really our main goal is to look after anything and everything music on a film. So... Um, sometimes we are in charge of even hiring the score composer. Sometimes we are pitching songs to the director. Sometimes the director knows what he wants. And um, then we're just handling the negotiations of those songs. But really, I mean, with a music supervisor hat, anything and everything to do with music is what we're involved in uh, on a film. Fascinating. So tell us about you, Sarah, about your beginnings, both in music and as a vegan and animal protector. Well, I began working in music probably around the time I was 25. Um, so it's been 15 years now. And, you know, I started on the label side of things. I started working in dance music, which was the scene, the culture that I grew up in in Vancouver, BC. And um, I worked for a few years on the label side. I lived in New York City. Uh, I worked in software development in Vancouver. And then in 2003, I was really blessed to become involved um, with music for film and, and television. And uh, with regards to being vegan and, and the vegan lifestyle, I actually became vegetarian as a child, as a very young child. I believe I was at uh, the zoo again in Vancouver, and my older brother was explaining to me, you know, that a cow was beef and that a pig was bacon. And I think my jaw dropped. I was horrified. I had no idea. And I went home to my very British mother and said, is what my older brother is saying true? He must be teasing me. This can't be true. And she said to me, well, of course it is. You knew that. Lamb chops are lamb chops. What did you think it was? And I was devastated. And I never eat, ate, uh, I never ate meat again. Um, I had dairy, actually. I continued on with cheese and and very little dairy until perhaps two years ago, two and a half years ago. And I had liked, I believe, Cruelty Free World on Facebook. I saw it on the feeds, uh, the feed of one of my friends. And being, you know, a passionate animal lover and a lifelong vegetarian, I was intrigued by this, this wall on Facebook. And I started to look and I clicked on one video. Um, with a, a baby cow being taken from its mother. And, you know, I had no idea. It was just like my ignorance was consuming me in darkness. I really had no idea that I hadn't thought about the process of what happens. And, of course, where are the babies if we're having the milk? So it was in that moment in, in seeing that video. So thank you, cruelty-free world, um, that my consciousness was awakened. And I said, that's it. And never again uh, did I bring any dairy into the house. 
And I know that now dairy is one of the issues that's closest to your heart. It is. You know, I consider myself in many ways um, an advocate for, for women and for women's rights and for equality and for um, motherhood um, in whatever form that that is. And, yeah, I'm very passionate about dairy, I think, because there's so much hypocrisy. And, you know, I see my dear friends who are mothers at their birthday parties of their children you know, feeding everyone a cake with whipped cream on top and serving it with ice cream. And my head is in my hands. You know, the irony is equal to that of, you know, serving beef burgers at a fundraiser for an animal shelter, you know, which just, they used to do. They I still mean, do. I, I remember that. They do they? Oh. They still do. They do it all the time, whether it's an animal rescue or whatever it is. It happens here in Santa Monica. It happens back home in Vancouver. It happens all over the place. They say, come to the barbecue. We're raising funds for the dog club. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about this. So, um, yeah, dairy, I think dairy is, is, I mean, it's all close to my heart. They're all animals and, and we all feel pain and we all feel fear and we all feel suffering. And, um, I think just with dairy, because it's so, it's such a massive industry. I think I feel like it's bigger than meat. I mean, I don't actually know the t- statistics, but I know a lot of people who have dairy who don't who don't have meat. And there's just so much cruelty involved. You know, people don't know that you know it's called a rape kit, the apparatus that they put the females in. And I, you know, we're just in ignorance. And of course, the industry wants it that way. And it's um, my life's mission, along with some other beautiful enlightened souls, to communicate the message to those who are in darkness, as I once was. Yes. Now, as a yoga instructor and yoga person, do you ever think that maybe you were vegetarian in a past life and that's why it came to you so easily as a small child? Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, in in the world of yoga and spirituality, of course, um, the belief is in reincarnation. And um, absolutely, there's not a doubt in my mind that you know, I, I've lived many, many lifetimes and that I have been a, both a yogi and, and a vegetarian and, and close to animals for lifetimes. It's, it's a knowing that I feel when I, when I am with animals, when I pet my dogs in the evening, for example. There's just a deep knowing there that I, I think is on a cellular level. Well, when I started in, in yoga way back when, when I was 17, mm. it was just understood that mm-hmm. you would stop eating meat and probably eggs if you were Amazing. going to be serious about yoga. Amazing. But then as, as yoga expanded right. and, and got to be more of, of what it is today, so much of that message was lost. So do you bring it it's into true. your yoga practice? How, how do you? Absolutely. The first thing I teach is the eight limbs of yoga, which is why I fell in love with yoga. And the first tenement, the first rule of the first limb is ahimsa. And ahimsa is the Sanskrit word that means non-harm. It can be translated as non-harm or non-violence. And it means non-violence to all beings. So when people, when students would come to me and they would experience suffering in their lives and they would experience turmoil and anger and frustration in their lives, you know, I would first and foremost always encourage people to live ahimsa truly, you know, um, in all aspects of life. I think the reason it's been lost is that with the translation in the last hundred years of yoga from uh, a, a deep and very old ancient spiritual tradition in India to a form of exercise in America is just that. It's a form of exercise. And, you know, I won't mention the yoga studio that I go to here in Santa Monica. I will mention that I came out of class the other day and was horrified to see boxes and boxes and boxes with Windex stamped on the side. And of course, 
I realized after going into the change room that the products they're using are products from companies that are notorious for testing on animals. And this, to me, is a horrific violation of the first law of yoga, which is, of course, non-harm, non-violence, ahimsa, as I mentioned. So I am going to email the studio. It's on my list of tasks. And I think if we were studying here in the West, yoga in its true tradition, as the spiritual wisdom tradition that it is, the oldest one on the planet, in fact, then teachers would be teaching ahimsa as the first as the first rule. And there are teachers. I would say there's a handful of teachers in greater Los Angeles. So there must be a handful in New York City. And yeah. you've got to really dig to find the good teachers, you know, who speak about the eight limbs of yoga, who themselves have a sadhana which is a, a daily spiritual practice. You know, I can't tell you how many teachers I meet here in LA and I say, will you share with me your sadhana? What does your sadhana consist of? And they don't know what I'm speaking of. And the, you know, the first thing I was taught in India doing my first yoga teacher training was you must have a sadhana. You cannot teach this tradition unless you yourself have practice. Mm. Well, we have a Jiva Mukti here that's very vegan and Sharon Gannon with that wonderful book uh, yoga and vegetarianism that takes people through the the eight limbs from a a vegan yogic perspective so there are definitely lights in the darkness and one of those certainly are these amazing films that are coming out about animals and about everything else that's going on on in the world and i know you recently wrapped with sean monson unity coming out in august tell us about that It's so exciting. I must clarify, first of all, I cannot take credit where credit isn't due. I was not, unfortunately, involved in Earthlings. I would have loved to have been. I would have jumped at the chance to work with Sean on Earthlings, but I didn't meet him um, until he was in post-production on Unity. Oh, so sorry. Well, I'll give you credit for whatever else. (laughs) Unity is good. I'm so so deeply, deeply honored to have been a part of this amazing film. And again, that was thanks to our mutual, brilliant, and extraordinary friend, Nick Tyler. Yay, Um, Nick. Yay, Nick. (laughs) So you're bringing all the vegans together. So, um, yeah, Sean is obviously a very gracious, deeply, deeply intelligent, profoundly spiritual being. And uh, I went to a screening of the film at his house probably about a year ago. And, you know, it was the same old director. It's the same old director scenario. He says, oh, Sarah, great to meet you. Yeah, we need to help with a couple of songs, you know, one, maybe two songs. So cut to two weeks later and I have a spreadsheet with, you know, 15, 20 songs, whatever it was in front of me, scratching my head saying, uh, Sean, this is going to be a little bit bigger project than either you or I anticipated. Uh-huh. So, you know, I... Uh, I'm very, very honored, as I say, to be part of the film. There, I mean, if you look at the the cast of characters who are narrating, um, I'm in very good company. Numerous Oscar winners and uh, and uh, profoundly beautiful people. So it's a it's an amazing film. It's not nearly as graphic in it's uh, it's not nearly as graphic visually as Earthlings was, which I appreciate. Um, you know, there's a couple of scenes that involve animals, but they're not so graphic or bloody per se in nature. It's really the story of, of oneness and how, you know, we are all unified and we are all from the same source. And why is there so much fighting on this planet? You know, starting with our, our plate at dinner time, starting with what's in our, in our fridge. Why is there so much violence? 
it's so interesting sometimes that people say, why, why do you care about animals? Why do you go to all uh, this trouble when we can't uh, even get along with humans? Uh, but I say maybe we can't get along with each other exactly. because of what we do to those who have no reason to want to hurt us or cheat us or do a number on us. Right. They're just there being as innocent and beautiful as, oh, for example, Esther the Wonder Pig. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think it's in the Upanishads. It's in, you know, one of the ancient texts. Um, uh, it says somewhere we will, we cannot know peace in our own hearts. We cannot know higher consciousness until we extend peace and compassion to all living beings. I mean, somebody wrote this down 10,000 plus years ago. It's, it's profound and it stays true today. And it, it's time. Sarah, I could talk to you for much, much longer, but our time is up. Is, is there a, a website or social media or somewhere where people can find out more about you? You know, I have a Facebook uh, feed. My name is Sarah Webster, and it's a picture of me nose to nose with my Bernese Mountain Dog. Aww. Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram as yogini underscore SW, and I have, an, I have an IMDb page, which lists all my work in film and television, and that's Sarah Webster. Lovely. And you're Sarah with an H. And what's the Instagram again? Yogini underscore SW. Uh And again, it's a picture of me nose to nose with my beautiful, beautiful dog. You couldn't have a better person to be photographed with than that. Thank you so very much. And great success with all the films and with the work of your heart. Thanks so much, Sarah. Take care. You too. And everybody else. Oh my gosh, are you excited? (laughs) Esther, Esther's dads are coming up. Stay with us. Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. 
Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And I am here with Steve Jenkins, who is an all-around wonderful guy, and he happens to be <laughs> one of the human parents of the world's most famous pig, namely Esther. <laughs> and if you want to talk with Steve, you can give us a call at 816-347-5519. That's 816-347-5519. Ah, for anybody who doesn't know, but everybody knows, Esther is some pig. Who knew that this pink princess would have such an impact on her immediate family, her immediate human family, and on the globe? Esther was misrepresented as a micro pig and sold to Steve Jenkins and Derek Walter up there in Ontario in the summer of 2012 at four pounds. In two years, she grew to be 500 pounds. Still beloved, still very much a member of the family right at home. And, oh, my gosh, (laughs) in the meantime, became a star. Now, Derek is out working on the happily ever Esther Farmed Animal Sanctuary. So we're here with Steve Jenkins. Welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to chat with you. It's such a pleasure. So, Tell us the story. For, for anybody who hasn't heard it before, why, to begin with, were you interested in living with a pig, even one who was supposed to be little? <laughs> well, to be honest, we weren't. Um, it, it came as a total, total surprise. Um, 
I got a message on Facebook of all places. I mean, it, it kind of comes full circle. Um, a, a girlfriend that I really hadn't spoken to much in years just sent me a message and said, you know, Steve, I, I know you loved animals and I've got this mini pig and it's just not getting along in my family. She had just had twins and she had a couple of dogs herself and, um, you know, said she had to get rid of it and asked if I was interested. So, you know, a pig had never even crossed my mind. I mean, I, we knew of the idea of pop belly pigs as pets, but, you know, had never really given any strong consideration to getting one. And then all of a sudden this message comes. So I told her the obvious, well, I've got to ask Derek and, and I'll get back to you. But shortly after I got another message saying somebody else is interested. So I need to know right away. And I panicked and agreed to take her and, and decided I'd figure out how to tell Derek once I had her. <laughs> so that's how she ended up in our house. And, you know, it was all of, um, you know, I got the message at, I, I, it was nine or 10 o'clock or something on a Friday night. And I agreed to meet her the following morning at my real estate office to get away from the house. And I had Esther in my hands by about eight thirty the following morning. Um, it was a pretty crazy weekend. <laughs> so, yeah. And that so was that. What, it was it was something else. So what was going on now? Even when Esther was teeny tiny, there were problems in this first household. So what made you think there wouldn't be problems in your household? Well, I knew that uh, from the you know hour and a bit of research that I did have time to do before agreeing to take her, um, I knew that pigs were a lot of work. And and to be honest, I had a couple of friends that had kids, and I I knew that that was an outrageous amount of work. So I didn't think for a second that Esther was the problem. Um, I assumed the issue was you know you've got twins at home, you've got dogs, you know it, it just the last thing you need is another another baby, whether it be a, a physical baby or a baby animal. So I thought that was the issue. I never thought anything about, um, you know, having a problem raising a pig or, of course, you know, maybe that she had any inclination that it wasn't, in fact, a mini pig. And none of that ever, ever crossed my mind. So I have been told by my son-in-law, who studies everything in great detail, that there is no such thing as a micro pig that there are potbelly pigs who are smaller than farm pigs, but even they can often get to be a lot bigger than one mm-hmm. would think. But the idea that there are these micro pigs who basically get to be the size yeah. of a Yorkshire Terrier, that that's just a myth. They do not exist on the planet. That's, that- that's from what we understand, is true. Um, it is true. There's a breed of pig that I believe is called a Julian pig um, that is smaller even than potbelly pigs. Um, but they still grow to be much larger than, you know, people see these pictures literally of these tiny pigs sitting in teacups. Um, and I can tell you, you know, for a fact, Esther was that size, <laughs> you know, I could have taken that picture with Esther. Um, and, you know, here I am today with a pig that's six feet long from snout <laughs> to tail, um, you know, so it's, it's really deceiving. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's cause for a huge problem. And I mean, that, you know, knowing how many people get these pigs and abandoned pigs, the the longer we had Esther and the more we started to learn, um, we realized that, you know, we weren't the only people that had this problem and that it was, in fact, a huge issue mm. um, that people are not getting what they think with these, you know, quote, pet pigs and mini pigs. Well, your story is so much like the first farm animal sanctuary I ever visited, which is Pigs a Sanctuary in West Virginia. I visited there way back in the 90s, and, and the story was so similar. One of the gentlemen had a coworker who had this potbelly pig and said, this pig is driving me crazy. Can you take it? Can you take it? <laughs> and so he, he took the pig, but then once people heard that they had a pig, 
they dropped off all their potbelly pigs and then they started getting farm yeah. pigs and then they needed a sanctuary and then they expanded to cows and chickens and all the rest. So I have a feeling this happens repeatedly uh, across North America Absolutely. and around the world. But what's happened with Esther is that she is a major spokesperson for animals. <laughs> How did that all come about? Absolutely. Well, Derek and I were not vegan um, before we got Esther. And, you know, we were always considered ourselves animal lovers. You know, we always thought, oh, you know, cats and dogs and dolphins and, you know, endangered species, all this stuff. But farmed animals, for whatever reason in our minds, were a whole different level. Then we get this piglet um, and had her, you know, face to face with the dogs and the cats. And it changed everything about our opinion of the animals in, in general. It really opened our eyes and made it give it some thought. And, you know, obviously the outcome was we just couldn't justify it to ourselves anymore. We couldn't ignore what we were doing. Um, the more we found out about Esther and, and of course, you know, we didn't even know that she was going to become the size that she has become. Um, but we still had that connection. We're like, well, this is a pig and, you know, that's on my plate is a pig or used to be a pig. And how are we okay with this? And that's what got it changing for us and, and, you know, got the wheels going for us and, and turned us vegan. So when we started the Facebook page for Esther, it had nothing to do with that. The only reason the Facebook page, you know, was even started is because we had Esther in a town where we weren't, excuse me, we weren't supposed to have her. She was an illegal pet. So very few people knew that we had her and fewer still knew how big she was. <laughs> so we started this Facebook page as a way to separate ourselves from Esther, but to show our friends and show our family that we're a little bit further away exactly what Esther was all about and what living with Esther was all about. Um, so that's why her page was very much just a, you know, have a laugh. You know, here's Esther, you know, doing her thing around the house. Um, and for whatever reason, it, it got grabbed by a few people and all of a sudden, within days, I mean, literally, it, w it was from zero to 100,000 followers in 80 days. Oh, wow. And we, we didn't, you know, I mean, we didn't even have time to process what was going on, let alone come up with a plan <laughs> as to how it was going to go. Um, we just went with it. And I mean, we tried a couple of times, like we started seeing messages come in really, really quickly saying, you know, oh my God, I never knew this about pigs or I never thought about it like that. And you've changed my whole opinion on pig and I can't possibly eat pork again. We were hearing our story get told back to us. And that's when we really clued in and said, hang on a second. Showing Esther in this light is having the same effect on other people that she had on us. And that's what kind of you know, led us to stick with it and try to massage it a little bit. You know what I mean? To make sure that she had that impact on people. And occasionally we tried to throw in at the first, at the start anyway, we threw in a little bit more harder edged vegan posts and vegan messages and, and, you know, played with that and saw the reaction. And we saw that our page was very much made up of people like us that loved animals and wanted to see these cute little animals. But you know, un until Esther came along, we had been turned off by those kind of harder vegan messages. And we saw that the same thing was happening on Esther's page when we posted them, that people were getting a little bit put off of it. So we backed off. Um, and then we saw the messages coming back in again, that people were happy and, and seeing this change. And that's why Esther's page became what it was. Um, you know, we stuck with a really positive message and we tried to just show our life with Esther because our life, Life with Esther is what changed our opinion. Um, 
and that's how we want to hopefully impact other people. And, and, you know, the more we talk to people, the more we, we hear these amazing stories that that's all it takes, you know, to really get through to people is to make it relatable, you know, and to, to just show these animals and show their character and their personality. And, you know, it's, it's mind boggling. We, we, I don't even think we can do justice to show what it's actually like to live with her and to experience her personality. Um, it's very hard to explain. <laughs> well, you do a great job. Now, this Facebook page is working on 300,000 followers. That's more than a lot of rock stars. So um, everybody get your <laughs> your pens or your good memory because Facebook is Esther the Wonder Pig. That's easy. Twitter, Esther the Pig, because we have to conserve our characters on Twitter. So that's <laughs> Esther the Pig. Um, Instagram, Esther the Wonder Pig. So she's just all over the place. And she shares a lot of wisdom, which I know is um, she got that from her dad's probably some of it. So you guys don't have like PR backgrounds. You didn't set out to create a phenomenon. It's been an no, organic no. event. Is this true? Absolutely. I mean, we have always worked for ourselves. Derek's a magician by trade, and I was a realtor by trade. Um, I mean, that's another big reason as to why we were even able to keep Esther. You know, I mean, there's no denying she was a lot of work. And there were times where we weren't sure we could do it um, and questioned what we were doing, you know, and, and, you know, whether we could see it through. And that's actually where the inspiration for the sanctuary kind of came, because when we weren't sure, once we knew Esther was getting as big as she was going to get, we had to accept the fact that, you know what, we may not be able to do this, you know, physically, can we have this 600 pound pig in the house? You know, people find out we're in a 50 by 110 foot lot in, in town, you know, in the GTA outside of Toronto, you know, they're going to make us get rid of her. I mean, there were so many reasons why we had to evaluate what we were doing. So we looked to see what our options were. And there were a couple farm sanctuaries, but all of them were full. There was no space anywhere. Um, and also by this time we were finding out we weren't the only people that had this problem, that these pigs were a huge problem, that so many people had these pigs and had to get rid of them um, for similar reasons. They got too big, they were too much work, whatever it may have been, um, that we kind of accepted the fact, well, we've got to move, you know, and, and the page, the way it was taking off, we, we thought, well, you know, maybe now's our chance to, to, to open a sanctuary. And, and that's why it's a real shot in the dark. We went out, we looked at property with no intention of doing what we were doing. And, you know, came back to the page, told them, and here we are. It, it was it was really by the seat of our pants, you know. And, oh. and we, even when we submitted the offer on the property, we we didn't think it would work. You know, I mean, we were going into this, you know, two people that we had a great life, but you know, we didn't have half a million dollars sitting in the bank to buy a million dollar farm. You know, so it was a shot in the du- shot in the dark to make it work. Um, and all of a sudden, it happened. You know, in those sixty days when we did that crowdfunding campaign. You know, $440,000 were raised in 60 days. Like, it, it just, it all happened so fast. Um, like I said, we just kind of, we get stuck in a little bubble. It, it's hard oh. to even grasp exactly what's happening. It's, it's, it's really unbelievable. Oh, I, I love listening to you. And people who listen regularly to this show know that I so believe in vegan miracles. And they'll say things like, well, if there are vegan miracles, then why aren't all the slaughterhouses closed down? It's like, I don't know why we haven't had that miracle. But I know that there are these other happenings that really defy logic, 
but it's time for the animals to have their day, and, and these things are happening. So the sanctuary is Happily Ever Esther, and you can go to the sanctuary website, happilyeverester.ca, and then Esther's own page is estherthewonderpig.com. So how did the veganism play into all this? How, was it slowly? Was it overnight? When did that enter in? Well, it was a couple of months after we got, well, I shouldn't say a couple of months. I mean, by within a couple of months, we had gone and made the full transition. But the first kind of, oh my God, moment happened within a few weeks. And and it was a breakfast for dinner night. So you know exactly what was on the stove. Mm -hmm. And Derek was cooking. I was sitting in the dining room and Esther was in the kitchen at his feet. Anytime you were making anything, Esther was right there, of course, right? She wanted a piece of it. (laughs) So... That was the connection moment, you know, and, and I remember watching Derek cooking and I saw him looking at the stove and you can smell bacon and I see Esther on the floor. And, you know, I was thinking in my head the same thing, obviously, he was because he looked at me and he said, I can't eat this. And I said the same thing. I'm like, I neither can I. And, and that was it. It went to the garbage. And immediately we decided that was it for pork. You know, that was our first connection. We're like, well, we can't possibly eat pork anymore, of course. And. You know, within a day, it, it was, well, hang on a minute. Why why are we okay with, you know, still eating cows and eating chickens and, and we're not okay with eating eating pigs? And, and, of course, we start to do a little bit of research. And the minute you actually open yourself up to wanting to see what's going on and wanting to see what's happening, it's heart-wrenching. The problem is that for so long you don't want to know, right? You're convinced that cows are happy in the fields and you know they walk in to freely hand over their milk and you know what i mean everybody's happy and having a great life and you know we do the best for them right up until that day and we're okay with that and then all of a sudden you have a reason to actually say well hang on how does it really work you know and how how are these animals really raised and and what's life really like and when you actually start doing that research and and you know see it it's like i said it's terrifying um and that was the end of that <laughs> you know it, it's it was a matter of her making us want to know. And once we knew, it, we didn't have to make a decision. It, it just, it was the, the right thing to do, in, in our opinion. Oh, what an ambassador for good is this lovely, <laughs> lovely pig. Now, somebody yeah. had, had just um, sent me an email message saying, is Esther a potbelly pig or is she a pig pig? No. She's, she's a no, pig she's like... A pig pig. Exactly. We haven't done an actual a DNA profile on her or anything, but the best um, advice that we've come across seems to believe that she's kind of a Yorkshire or a Hampshire pig, um, which is a full-on commercial pig. And we had one of the um, uh, reps from Mercy for Animals was, was visiting with us, Mercy for Animals in Canada. She came by just to say hello, and she had been familiar with a lot of the work that was being done in pigs. And in Canada, there's a certain breeze that they use for breeding sows. Um, which are the ones they just have litter after litter. I think they said two and a half or it's some funny number, 2.4 or 2.6 or something litters per year these pigs have. Um, and that's their life. And she believed that Esther was that breed of pig. And, and so she shed a little bit of light and that just made us that much more determined. I mean, of all the pigs, the gestation crate pigs and the breeding sows have it the worst because they're kept in those cages for couple of years and and then they're sent off um so that really strengthened our our resolve to you know keep up the message and to try to 
you know, get it through the best way that we possibly could and to try to reach people that weren't being reached by some of the other kind of, you know, animal advocacy campaigns and groups that are out there. Wow. It's so interesting to me how all the pieces just came together because this was supposed to be. You have on um, the About Esther page of the um, EstherTheWonderPig.com site a quotation from none other than Ronald Reagan, who said, I am very proud to be called a pig. It stands for pride, integrity, and guts. And I would Absolutely. agree with President Reagan on those points. Now we are going to take a little break. Hold on to that phone number, 816-347-5519 if you want to give a call and ask Steve your own question about Esther or pigs or miracles. And we'll be back (laughs) right after these messages. available, you pray, the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With you pray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With you pray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. You pray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free you pray app and links to download, Visit silentunity.org slash app. That's silentunity.org slash app. Do you ever find yourself stuck? Slow down and breathe. Bring to mind a person who you admire. Ask yourself, what actions would they take? Would they make a list of possibilities? How about making a list of the things that they're grateful for? Here's another. Reaching out and asking the person you admire for guidance. Finding yourself stuck is similar to being in a dark room with messengers of fear invading your goodness. Pick yourself up. Cut a hole in that wall and let the light in today. Get more inspiration. Listen to Clarity 101 with Glenda Gibbs on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time. Take the first step. You're worth it. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am here speaking with Steve Jenkins, who's one of whose lovely um, family members is the famous and fantastic Esther the Wonder Pig. So, Steve, I have a feeling that they're all wonder pigs, but that most are living these really, really awful, awful lives at at the hands of our fellow humans. I know that pigs 
are supposed to be extremely intelligent. The, the people who measure that say that humans are the smartest. Sometimes I think that's questionable. And then dogs, <laughs> chimps, and then pigs. But the pigs actually beat the chimps at playing video games. So what have you seen in, in your relationship with Esther that lets you know that she is one smart cookie? Oh, my God. I I don't even know where to start. I mean, we had to completely change the way that we lived our life at our house in Georgetown. Um, You know, she was able to within weeks. I mean, she we'd only had her maybe a month and she started to open our cupboards in the kitchen. She would put her snout under the door and pull back and open the cupboard. That's where we kept all of our, our dry goods, our food. Um, and so that's why she constantly wanted into those cupboards. And we tried everything from child locks and, you know, actually um, putting these screw-on clip latches, thinking that they would be strong enough. Nothing could keep her out of those cupboards. So we had to move all of our food to the upper cupboards and put our plates in the lower cupboards. Um, and she never touched the cupboard again. As soon as she realized the food was gone, that's all she wanted there. She could care less about the cupboard itself. Um, and as she got bigger, it, it graduated to the fridge. She realized that we had a bottom freezer and, and top fridge, and she realized she could get her snout in between and open the fridge and, you know, have her way with whatever was in there. I mean, it was unbelievable um, the things we had to alter. She could use door levers um, to open all of the doors in the house. We didn't have knobs. We had those actual lever-style handles. Um, and she put her snout up and under that lever and push open the door like it was nobody's business. So all of a sudden, just closing a door wasn't sufficient for Esther either. We had to put latches on every door above the doorknobs so she couldn't reach them. Um, it, it was unreal. And I mean, it's none of these behaviors that we encouraged. Of course. It just happened. Um, it was unbelievable. And I mean, I remember one day we were sitting in the kitchen. I mean, it was causing chaos for getting in there to the cupboards and stealing this food. And Derek and I are sitting in the kitchen and I thought I heard something and I walk in and nothing. Esther's not there, but the cupboard doors open. And I thought, well, that's weird. So I closed the door and back into the living room, didn't think anything of it. Heard the bang again a minute or two later and go in again. Esther's not in the kitchen, but the door's open. So I left it and went back to the living room and just waited and second later i hear a rustle she pulled a basket out and then wandered into the living room and walked around for a second then back to the kitchen a third time grabbed something out of this basket and ran down the hallway to the bedroom so it sort of <laughs> broke up the process of stealing food into steps because any other time she used to break in steal whatever she tried to steal we'd hear all this noise and commotion and and stop it while it was happening but she caught on and started doing it quietly so like i said she'd open the door and then leave it alone and see if we heard. And then she'd pull out a basket and then leave it. See if we heard. And then when she had free access to whatever was in the basket, she'd grab it and leave the kitchen. She didn't try to eat it in the kitchen. She left the scene <laughs> with whatever she was stealing. It was unbelievable to see what seemed like an actual thought process going on. That not only did she want food, but she had come up with a method. She thought her success rate would be better. And let me tell you, for weeks it was better until we finally said enough is enough we've we've got to move the food we can't win this battle i mean it was unbelievable um to see just how clever she is it's it's mind-boggling wow well speaking of the food just as a parenthetical kind of question how much does a pig esther's size need to eat in a day (laughs) well we give her mostly fresh fruits and vegetables 
gets about five or six cups a day um, of a mixture of, of kind of oats and barley and corn. And there's a little bit of a pig kibble in there and a little bit of a rabbit kibble in there. Um, and then we give her otherwise all of our scraps, which is, um, you know, I shouldn't say scraps because she gets great food, but we get, you know, mangoes for her and she loves apples and lettuce and bok choy is one of her favorite things, which is kind of funny. Um, and it's hilarious. The older she gets, the more fussy she gets. You know, at first pigs, you think pigs will eat absolutely anything. Um, but Esther, now you can put a bowl full of veggies and she will abandon carrots and broccoli. She'll leave them in the bowl. She'll eat everything else but the carrots and broccoli. So um, the older she gets, the more refined her tastes are getting, I guess. I and, guess so. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very funny. I mean, water, for example, she got sick when she was about eight months old. Um, and the vet said, well, you've got to make sure she's getting lots of fluids. And if she won't drink, try putting a little bit of juice in the water. So that's what we did. We'll say, okay, we'll give her a little bit of iced tea. Well, silly pig, she won't now drink anything but water with a little bit of iced tea. If you try to give her plain water, she flips over the bowl like she's offended. She doesn't just not drink it. She flips it so it spills everywhere. Um, it has to be a little bit of iced tea and the concentration has to be just so. If you try to go light on the iced tea, she flips it. I mean, it's just hysterical and we don't know how to get it off. We're working with the vet to try to fix it. And he's like, well, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do, but, you know, every time we try to give her just water, it ends up all over the kitchen floor. She's become quite quite the diva. <laughs> uh, well, gosh, she sounds like yeah. me because I do tend to, to drink oh, green tea funny. pretty much all day. And so you really should drink more water. But now I'm going to say Esther does it. I can do it. Too. I know. It's oh, it's true. Yeah. And like I said, if it's not the right concentration or oh, man, that's funny. Uh, we created a monster. <laughs> Well, yeah, the world needs hilarious. more monsters like Esther the Wonder Pig. I know. So you have a couple of dogs, a couple of cats, and most of us listening yes. have probably lived with a dog or a cat or certainly have in the past. How does it compare? I mean, I understand the size is something, but just yes. in general, what's the difference between having a companion pig versus a companion dog or cat? I would have to say it comes back to the intelligence. Um, she's too smart to, you know, like see, we can't just leave things in the cupboards or just close a door to a room if we want to keep her out. Um, it, it, it really does involve pig proofing your house, which is almost like child proofing, I think, but for a 500 pound child, because those little plastic childproof doorknob things they don't work she'll uh -huh. just break them right off um so it's the strength behind her as well you've got to be a step ahead with esther um, anytime we've had anything get damaged or broken it's been our fault it's because we left it on the counter or it's because we you know left a bag of groceries you know on the floor in the laundry room and she could smell she knew it was there we know better than that so i mean she's taught us how to live with a pig so <laughs> as much as we adapted her to living with us. So you started out in, in a regular suburban home, and now you have the happily ever Esther sanctuary. So Esther is probably spending more time outside. How has she adapted from being in the house all the time to being in more of a rural setting? <laughs> Well, you might think that she would spend more time outside, but oh. let me tell you, Esther goes out and does her thing. 
she does a little wander around like the dogs do. But when it's time to lay down, Esther right now, for example, she's on a pile of blankets on the floor in front of the couch. Um, it's probably 65 or 70 degrees outside right now. Beautiful weather, you'd think, to be relaxing outside. But no, she'd prefer to be inside. The dog is on the couch behind her and our other dog's on the floor in the living room too. So they, she kind of sticks with the dogs and does what the dogs do. Um, she is pretty independent. So when she does want to go out and go for a walk, um, if everybody doesn't want to go with her, she'll go on her own. And if she wants to go and you don't want her to, there's not a whole lot you can do to stop it. <laughs> but um, other than that, she she really hasn't adjusted her behavior a whole lot since we moved here. She has no interest in being in the barn. Um, she's not friends with the other pigs in the farm. She seems to be terrified of them. Anytime they come near her, if she's near the fence, she abandons the scene. She runs away and heads back towards us or towards one of the dogs. Um, it's interesting. We were concerned and took bets, so we thought maybe she would move to the barn once she knew there were other pigs there. Um, but no, there's absolutely no signs whatsoever of Esther wanting to adapt to a more rural lifestyle. She, I think she likes her city life. <laughs> oh, she's a lady after my own heart. Now, you have a book oh, coming up. Honestly. Is much known about that yet? Do you have a title or a publication date? Well... We don't have the title quite yet, but I know it's coming out in, I think they said April of next year. Okay. Um, it's with Grand Central Publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're a division of Hachette Book Group. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, we're, we're in their spring release next year. Fantastic. Well, we'll have to have you back. Yeah. So just tell oh, us. Oh, we're super got... excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet. We've got three minutes left, Steve. Tell us your best sure. mini Esther story. <laughs> yes. Well, when when we first got her, um, Derek was obviously extremely reluctant. Like I said, she came home without him knowing that we were getting a pig. So I was on damage control for a few weeks, trying to get him to agree to not call her Kijiji. For one, that was her name for the first few weeks. And Kijiji's the site up here. It's kind of like Craigslist. It's like an auction site where you just sell everything. And, you know, when she first came, Derek's like, we're not keeping her, you know. I'm like, well, what are we going to name her? He's like, Kijiji, because that's where she's going. And, oh, yeah, you know, it was we're getting rid of Esther. And so I was on my damage control and, and trying to prove to Derek that Esther could be, you know, settled into the house, no problem. And he was off at work, and I had to go do some running around. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to leave Esther out of her pen while I go to the store for a while. And then I can tell Derek, you know, how good she was. And I was gone maybe half an hour. But I came home to kitchen cupboards all open and she'd gotten into like a two gallon um, jug of vegetable oil. So the entire kitchen was coated in oil and footprints all up the hallway. And when I saw Esther, her stomach was just bloated from everything I guess she had eaten. And it was a disaster because it it came up both ends. It was all over the house. The oil was everywhere. And I'm here frantically trying to prove what a good girl she can be. You know, and Derek, I had to clean it all up before Derek got home. And it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. And I did a pretty good job of cleaning it up. Um, it wasn't until she got sick later in the night that Derek uh-huh. realized something had happened. And uh, we had a whole other mess <laughs> to Aww. clean up. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. It didn't go over all that well, and it didn't really help my case for <laughs> Esther settling in at home. But well, memories you know, are made of I, this. I did a better job in the future. Yes. That's right. Exactly. So, exactly. Well. So yeah, it was it was something. Well, you're amazing, um, Steve Jenkins, oh, Derek Walter. 
Um, everybody, the farm is happily ever ca. Um, you can visit there. They have work dates upcoming. There is an online store on the site. So go check that out. EstherTheWonderPig.com and all her social media and her words of wisdom. Uh, our first guest, Sarah <laughs> Webster, find her on Facebook with her dog on Instagram at Yogini underscore SW. And next week, very special for us around here at Main Street Vegan, because it's going to be the birthday of my 12th baby, well, baby book, The Good Karma Diet. It's not too late to pre-order and get in on the special private teleclass happening this Sunday. Just... um Go to MainStreetVegan.net slash books and you'll find out how you can uh, get in on that class. You can also get in on a, um, a contest, our Good Karma contest for one of three $100 prizes to your favorite charity. That could be a farm sanctuary like Happily Ever Esther. It could be <laughs> Unity Online Radio. It could be whatever you like. So do check that out with your pre-order of The Good Karma Diet. And then next week, the show is going to be with contributors to The Good Karma Diet. So wonderful recipe creator, Doris Finn. Um, we've got Kaylee Martin, uh, Collards and Cowgirls and all kinds of fun, fun people will be on the show one week from today, same time, same station. Thanks so much to today's guests. Thanks to Unity Online Radio and our engineer, Jeff Comfort. To everybody listening, God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. Thank you. 
At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Reverend Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 